Welcome to the Calm Nights, Strong Days podcast. With over 30 years in the health and wellness industry, I've realized there's no one-size-fits-all solution for sleep and stress resilience. What affects one person's sleep and ability to handle stress is different for each of us. The stage of life you're in, work and home stressors, your DNA, genetics, upbringing, social life, and more all affect how your body handles stress and your quality of life. Join me as we explore a variety of tools, strategies, and solutions I've employed with clients over the years in solo episodes, as well as insightful interviews and experts. Together, we'll unravel more pieces of the puzzle, empowering you on your journey to calm nights and strong days. So let's dive into today's episode. All right, everybody, welcome to the Burnout Expert Podcast. Today, I have with me Dr. Tanya Winchester. She is a naturopathic doctor that turned into, um, that turned towards neuro-linguistic programming, NLP, as a master coach and a practitioner. She has over a decade of experience in the field and Tanya knows how to, it's more than that. It was 2007 that you became a, a naturopath. So more than a decade in the field. Tanya knows how to transform people's lives using cutting edge brain-based techniques. Now this is super cool and we'll dive into this at the end once we really learn about Tanya's story and why she even added the NLP into her naturopathic um, practices. So with Tanya, she says goodbye to burnout, insomnia, stress, anxiety, pain, and fatigue. Tanya guides her clients through this really powerful breakthrough process that clears their past and helps them make sustainable, positive changes in their health and beyond. The results is a stronger connection to yourself, more self-love, which many of us don't give ourselves enough, even though we think that we are, um, a lot of self-worth and value, ultimately allowing her clients to create exceptional lives for themselves, their families, and their communities. When Tanya isn't changing lives, you can find her getting lost and found in the forest, salsa dancing, and turning paper into pretty things. Definitely check out Tanya's book. We'll give the links to all of this in the show notes and we'll talk about it at the end. So Tanya's book, Smiling in the Shower, where you can really start your own journey to, to be a happy and energized life. All right. So Tanya, welcome to the Burnout Expert Podcast. Thank you, Andy. I'm very happy to be here to share my story. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I do feel it's so invaluable for people to understand your burnout story because you like we need to understand that you can have certain tools in your bag as well and still be experiencing burnout that doesn't mean that those tools are invaluable they are there's just so many pieces in this puzzle which is why so many people get get frustrated if they're going to one professional for something and still bumping into roads and not making headway so this is such an invaluable um story so let's start with you diving into the stressors that happened before your burnout because there's always stress involved and this always happens before your burnout. So if you can give us a a summer, not even a summer, you can go into detail about the stressors that were occurring personally, professionally for you um, before your burnout. Yeah, and I will say that I have been in burnout more than once in my life. <laughs> I will share the most recent story though and leading up to it, so let's go back in time, maybe seven, eight months before I was deep in the burnout. So the first thing that happened was I got COVID. And interestingly, I put my book out into the world. And then three days later, I tested positive. And God, did that knock me down. I was so surprised. I take care of myself. And I think I do a good job taking care of myself, my immune system, 
and I was knocked down and it was, <laughs> there was one moment or one morning when I woke up and uh, maybe two weeks after testing positive and I just had this like this copious nosebleed and my back spasm and I just, my husband came into the bedroom to kiss me goodbye and I was just like, I, I just can't, I just, like I felt like I was at this physical rock bottom. So anywho, I recover and it takes a long time for what felt like my brain to come back online and my energy to come back online. So heading into the next several months that ended up being the stressors, I felt like I was already at a depleted place. My tanks just weren't getting refilled, even though I was back to good habits and taking care of myself in a way that normally would be good and adequate for me. Uh, then my dad died. And then my grandpa died and then my uncle died. Wow. And my sister's father-in-law died and I'm missing one. There was five family deaths within about five or six weeks. Like it was, of course, the most significant being my dad's passing. Five and <laughs> yeah, it was a very intense summer. And so I went into a little bit of a hole and did the bare minimum in terms of my day-to-day -day existence. This is sort of... August of last year. And then I realized like, oh, my my lease at my office, at my naturopathic office is due, like it's coming up at the end of this calendar year. I need to let them know if I'm keeping the space or if I'm letting go of the space. And so I email my landlord, like, I'm so sorry. My family's been going through a lot this summer. Um, this is right around the time where we would, you know, renegotiate if we're wanting to move forward again. And he's like, actually, you missed the deadline. It was end of June, which was when my dad had passed. And, and so we're willing to make an exception and give you another week to decide kind of thing. And then there was all this pressure that I put on myself. I had built this amazing space, this amazing team. My friends worked with me. My, you know, my, my clinic makes for, were some of my closest, dearest friends. And here I was trying to make this decision for my own well-being, but also trying to take care of all these other people. And that's a big factor for me in my burnout patterns is like taking care of others in a way that might be harmful to me. And I made a decision to let go of the office and I let these three beautiful humans know. And you know, you have good friends around you when they're like, wow, like this is an amazing thing you're doing. How can we support you? So yeah. holy, that was an incredible moment uh, with these people. So then, so now it's September and I've got four months to sort of wrap everything up. And I would say those were the, those were the factors leading up to it at this yeah. point. Yeah. So let's dive into this a little bit because you said that COVID was the kind of the start of this. But you skimmed over the, you just released a book. Yeah. So I'm understanding there's no stress in releasing a book or, or that might've been a little stressful. <laughs> right. So this is the thing is, is we do, we often think of this one big thing, Yes. but, but there's always so much before. Yes. And so you were running a practice. Yes. You people under you. Yes. And you were also writing a book on top of that. And I'm, I'm assuming that I, I believe this is your first book. Yes. Which, well, I wrote a children's book, but this is my first adult nonfiction book. Yes. Mm -hmm. And with that, there's so much to learn. There's a huge navigating yes. curve that, that we often as well think of stressors as a bad thing, like have to be negative, like COVID or like deaths. Mm -hmm. But writing a book is exciting. It also has this stressful piece with the pressure, but you also have this huge learning curve that your brain has yeah. to take on and you need energy and brain width and power for that on top of running a business and yeah. having life going on as is. Yeah. You also mentioned you, that was not your first burnout. Oh, <laughs> Well, yeah. as you're astutely making this observation about the writing of the book, I would say that the fall before, so I got COVID last Easter 
uh, the fall before that would be another period of burnout. And I remember, <laughs> I was just thinking about this this morning leading into our conversation. My husband was away for a couple months working. And I remember calling him and this was right around the time I started writing the book. So two falls ago now. Uh, <laughs> and I remember calling him just being like, I don't even have the energy to do art, which is often something I'll do at the end of the day, just to help me kind of unwind and calm down my nervous system. And he's like, honey, why don't you just like put your feet up and watch a show? And I was like, I, I responded and I was like, I don't feel like doing laundry right now. And he's like, I did not say to go do laundry because that's when I fold laundry is when I watch TV. He's like, just go watch a show. I was like, is that an option? Like. <laughs> So, so I would say that period of time. And of course, with him being away, like I'm managing the home on my own, the pets, we don't have kids. So thankfully, but just, you know, there's lots of responsibilities to have a, to have a home and just one person, right? So, um, but that was when I was getting up every morning at 530 to write my book. And then I would go and I would see patients. And then when I wasn't seeing patients, I would see clients because I was trying to build my coaching practice. And so, yes, really, if we're being fair <laughs> to this story, the prologue happened months before the COVID event, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, go ahead. That was fall. And then you said April. So we're not even talking like six months later-ish is when COVID hit. It was, about, I would say about six months. So the fall of 2021, one mm -hmm. was when I started writing the book. And that's when I was like, I can't even, I don't even want to fold laundry right now. <laughs> so what led up to you? So it wouldn't have just been, you know, this with burnout, with working with your patients, it would. And it's so fascinating. I'm diving into this with you as like, you're now the client. Um, so it wouldn't have been just your husband going away and having the house. Now that is definitely not easy, but the world wouldn't have come crashing down just as he left. There would have been something precipitating that. So what was like, if you go back six months, you go back a year, two years, like how long have you had your practice for? How long have you been like, you also said building your coaching business. Was that with NLP? So, yeah. <clears throat> so the whole biography is just on the table here. Uh, let's see. So the leading up to the fall, when I started writing the book, um, frankly, there wasn't a lot going on except, and this is, this had been going on for a long time in my practice, this heavy sense of dissatisfaction, which yeah. is what what I haven't shared yet is what led me to looking for new tools, things like NLP and the dissatisfaction. So again, like many roads to burnouts, many different, is it a busy to-do list? Is it lots of emotional challenges, lots of roads here, right? And not to say that I'm chronically burnt out. I don't want to give that impression, but there, there are phases where, where mm -hmm. I'm saying yes to too much. And this, this dissatisfaction piece is, it, there, there was, there was, I'm going to say years where, where patients would come into my office and they're looking for a new lifestyle plan. They, they know that they don't want to go and just get medications to have whatever symptom they have, you know, to make it go away. They want to actually change something about what they're doing to get a different health outcome. So they'd come into my office. We would do our initial interview we would put together, agree, they would agree on a plan that they would go forth and, <laughs> and carry out. And then they would come back to me and they'd be like, I always make fun of this, but this is my memory of it. Eating my broccoli is hard. And I'd be like, what? What do you mean? What do you mean eating your broccoli is hard? Like it's one of the easiest, most low reactive foods to consume, like what? And it's, this is a metaphor that people were just finding really challenging the things that they knew they needed to be doing to take care of themselves. They were just finding those things so hard because they weren't habits yet, right? They were uncomfortable things that they were trying to implement in their life. So they were hard and they would come back to me having not done the plan. And so then they haven't got the result because they haven't, you know, taken action. And I, this was heavy on my heart for a long time. Like all I want to do is help people have a better life and these people aren't able to do it. And I was just like, what? is going on. And thankfully I have the type of mind that gets curious about these types of things. And I'm like, well, 
what is it that's like, how do I work with that moment in human psychology where they wake up that day and say, yes, today's the day I want to take care of myself. And then the next day, yes, today's the day I want to take care of myself. And so that dissatisfaction, which was heavy, heavy in terms of my energy, it was an energy drain, I'm going to assert, um, led me led me to look for options. How can I work with that decision-making place in the unconscious mind or the conscious mind where it's like, yes, today is the day. And so to lead up to that, and so then the the book is is like, in my mind, the solution out of this, like I'm going to offer this book to people so that they can like see, you know, how easy it can be to kind of change their mindset. So, so the book is a culmination of this, this pain in my practice where like people just need to wake up and be okay eating their broccoli and have that be easy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And this leads to like, so I've done this a a few podcasts ago and it's, it's fascinating that you're saying this because I have struggled actually through um, with what I do, because what I do is work on the habits. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'm not a practitioner. I do. Um, I, I, I know many different practitioners. I know I was speaking about you before that I do refer out to, to naturopaths quite often. And what I do is that work in between when a naturopath or another practitioner, they spend all of their time working on protocols, which are like so important, but you have only a certain amount of time to give this protocol to somebody. And so what I've learned that, that my role and my specialty is as well, and, and you've kind of transitioned into doing it in your way as well, which I love that there's so many different ways of doing this is I will, um, through helping people, I'll actually get them to where they're actually mentally ready to go to a practitioner because quite often they want the changes, but they, they're, they're not understanding what the testing is going to be or why they even should do testing and why you'd even give them supplements. They're not understanding. And that's not me saying, Hey, you have this stuff. It's just like the supplements will be helping with all of these different things. And once you get them, we can ask them why with each, but then once they have these supplements, they have these protocols, are they supposed to change their eating or go gluten-free or dairy-free or change things like how, and that's overwhelming too. And, and, and as a practitioner, that's like, and this is where I've been speaking recently with, it was another podcast episode I was on where we said that we all are in this almost like little container or a little bubble. And we need to be outside of these bubbles to see where everybody could be helping us to make this a whole superpower to, to be what we can be doing. So I did, I have, I, I have gone through so many imposter syndromes in my mind with where I'm like, but I'm not a practitioner. I'm not a naturopath. I can't do these tests. I'm like, but the thing is, is that I know so many people that I suggest to go to a naturopath that don't go unless I walk them through the steps of understanding what they'll do, how they'll help, where they'll get there. And then also doing the things in between that helps the naturopath. So yeah, I can absolutely see how that is such a frustration for a practitioner that you have all of this knowledge And there's this one step that's missing, which is that habit forming. And as we know with habits too, it's never a straight line. Like I want to do this. Here it is. It's, I'm going to think about it. I'm going to tell people about it. I'm going to maybe try it out. It doesn't work. Need to adapt. I forget about it. It's this whole thing. And that's with every piece of that habit making. So you have all this knowledge and you want to be giving it to all these people. And it's so frustrating for you to not have the tools to implement them. So you, what did you do from there? So this is even before your burnout, you started searching for these tools. So you're running this practice, struggling with dissatisfaction. And then, yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. And so then in 20, I had a couple of false starts. There was, there was a couple of tools that I was like, could this be the thing? And it ended up not being the thing. Right. I kept looking and, and then, and then my friend, so then the fall of 2020, yes, a colleague and naturopathic colleague was like, I just signed up for this NLP course. And I was like, NLP, isn't that the thing that helps people become really good marketers? <laughs> and I was like, sign me up. And I did not know going into that program, that practitioner program, that it was a potent and powerful transformative healing tool. Mm-hmm. So and, yeah. NLP, why is it 
why did it become the one for you over these others? Yeah. One example of one of the others was something that is kind of cool. It's reading the Akashic records and helping people identify who they are at a soul level. Well, if you know who you are at a soul level and you know what your sort of soul purpose is, shouldn't you just like be great in this lifetime? And what I found with that modality was um, the knowledge isn't enough for people, right? And it's the same thing, go eat your broccoli. It, the, the information isn't enough. There needs to be an internal transformation. And that's what NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, offered me as a practitioner is this ability to help people change how their unconscious minds are wired so that they actually are primed to take care of themselves. And I've been through the process that I take my clients through three times as a client, which is one of my key, my key burnout strategies is going through this breakthrough process. And I can attest to its value, but there's this amazing thing that happens when we use these techniques out of NLP to remove the pain from the past so that new positive habits are sort of the natural consequence. They're just, they just evolve and come out of us really easily and really naturally. So in January of 2021 is when I started studying NLP and then, um, and really falling deeply in love with it, wanting that to be sort of the main way I help people. 2021 rolled by taking as many sort of other fringe NLP courses and then 2022. So yes, then fall of 2021 was starting to write the book. Really this marriage between naturopathic medicine and <clears throat> excuse me, NLP and how these tools together, the philosophies of naturopathic medicine and the tools of NLP can help these habits that you're talking about. It is all about habits um, become really easy, really effortless, effortless. Then the book goes, comes out in Easter. Then I get the COVID, then all the deaths. Uh, so now we're in the summer of 2022, heading into the fall, making that big decision to let go of the office, worried about letting these, these lovely people down, them being amazing. And then the fall leading up to the end of this this past year was the transition and the amount of tasks that I had to do to wrap up that aspect of my business and my life was tremendous. Um, <laughs> so now <clears throat> this would be sort of like the big burnout, I would say, the the from let's say October to the end of the year. Excuse me, just one second here. And I would get into my car and just sob, <laughs> my car crying phase. I would just sob. And then, so I would like be, I'd be at the office trying to do all of the things that need to happen for this thing to get wrapped up, managing, trying to manage people's emotions of them being like, you're abandoning me. And I'm just like, oh gosh, really? Am I though? Like, ah, <laughs> I'd get in the car. I would just sob. I would get to my dance partner's house for dance practice. He'd be like, good day. I'd be like, great day. Awesome. Yeah. And then I'd get back in the car and I would just sob and I would get home and my husband would be on the couch and I would just like lie and hug him and just sob, <laughs> sob into his shoulders. And there was a lot of grief that was happening at this major phase of burnout. And I would say, you know, grief of losing, not losing, letting go of this thing that I'd built grief of facing the first Christmas without my dad and just the amount of things that had to be checked off the list. And I think one of my habits historically, when it comes to sort of that tendency into burnout is if I'm not doing enough, I'm not enough. Mm -hmm. So that's something I have to really kind of become conscious of and keep in check. Let's say that again. If yeah. I'm not doing enough, I'm not enough. It's a faulty belief system, but that is often... It, it, there's a draw for me there. Yeah. <clears throat> and how many people, like the thing is, is most of the people that get into burnout, like are the people that are super busy, tons on their plate, going after goals, trying to achieve things, setting crazy goals for themselves, adding so much on their plate. And the thing is, is that if life was all rosy, right? Yeah. If life was all rosy and you had this practice that was going well, and you took a course that was not deep and in diving into your past and all of these other things that, that like NLP will be digging into those things as well. And you didn't have like all of these deaths or COVID or all of these things, you probably could have done 
the business, adding NLP to that, switching to coaching and wrote a book. But that's not how life happens. Yeah. Right. Like as we've just just like there was dissatisfaction in this job. You were having struggles with with a career that you thought was going to be like your full on all the time career and one that you still completely believe in because it has so many amazing like naturopathic like honestly has been a huge piece of the puzzle for anybody that I work with in um in burnout like to get out of burnout it's a huge piece but the thing is is that as you're saying they need to understand how to implement it and then all life throws all of these other things and there's one other thing you said I want to dive into is with NLP it removes pain from the past now, when I had one of my coaches, just this is a business coach, he's like, oh, everybody has childhood trauma. I'm like, no way. I'm like, my childhood was fine. I was middle class, lived in like money wasn't a stressor in our life, um, had dinner at five o'clock every night. Like it was the four of us. And I thought it was great. And as I started later on uncovering things, I realized I had actually just blocked some things out yeah. from my childhood. And I started realizing that like even myself, as good as a parent as I'm going, I'm trying to be, I'm still going to make mistakes with my kids. So I've already got them set up with a therapist just in case I do screw up or when I do screw up that somebody can help them. Everybody's always trying their best, but we still do have traumas. Yeah. So can you expand on this? Like what types of pains? Yeah. From the past? Yeah. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, mucusy today. <laughs> well, this is part Obviously of it, I guess. <laughs> That's where I'm at. Type of pains. Yes. So, when we're young, when we're when we're from birth to say about six, seven years old, when things occur in our lives, we don't have the neurological capabilities. We don't have the brain development at that point in time to really fully integrate and heal from those painful things. So the unconscious mind just stores them and keeps them. And it's almost like there's this filing cabinet. And every time something happens that makes us angry, we don't know what to do with it. We don't have any way to manage that anger. So we just put that anger file in our filing cabinet. And then if we are watching um, our environment and say, mom and dad are fighting all the time, we don't know how to like, we don't know how to manage that fear or that confusion. So it just goes into this filing cabinet and we take on, we, we are in this phase of life where we just absorb everything that's going on around us. Psychologically and neurologically, we're just these sponges. And so, you know, mom's anger, dad's aggression, whatever it is, I'm just spouting stuff off here goes into this filing cabinet. So it's like we, it's like other people almost are opening the drawers to our filing cabinet and putting in their stuff, their issues, their pain from their childhood, their value systems, their belief systems, society's doing this. And so we get all this stuff in our filing cabinet and that sort of sets up how we see and how we react to the world from then on. And after about age seven, eight, we start to be able to discern, actually, you know what? I don't want that in my filing cabinet. But by then it's too late. The, the system has been established. So then we go through life and we, you know, if we hear a certain tone of voice, it is going to trigger us back into our own sort of um, fear response. We hear a certain word, you know, it's going to remind us of that time where we, we thought mom didn't love us. If we see a certain, you know, body movement or something, it's going to trigger us back into, and this is not happening consciously. This is very deeply under the surface of our conscious mind. So it triggers us back into the memory of, you know, when dad hit mom or whatever it was, right? We just, and even if, even if we look back at our childhood thinking like it was fine, like there were most likely times where you as a little one didn't feel like you were getting the love that you wanted in the way that you wanted. And that in itself can be considered a trauma. It's in the filing cabinet. So what NLP does to answer your question good. <laughs> is, offers us this really unique opportunity to use something called timeline therapy. We go back in time in our timeline and we get to change how we remember these events. The facts of the story stay the same. 
somebody, somebody did this, they said this, they behaved this way, the facts are locked in time, but what we can change is our interpretation of those events. So we can actually swap the emotional charge connected to those stories for what we call learnings, which are things that will improve us in the future. So we can swap out. There's this beautiful exchange that happens in this way that's non-triggering, non-re-traumatizing. We're not associated into the memory. We're floating up above the memory so that it is a safe and gentle way to say, let's offer that you this opportunity to get what you need to learn now as an adult or now as, as someone who has the brain development, the capacity to actually integrate and heal from this. What do you need to learn to let go of this emotion? And like I said, I've been through this process three times. It's one of my personal development and healing tools, seeing clients. I am still blown away <laughs> that they'll be like, oh, the emotion's gone. Like it still feels so magically or it still, still feels so magical when I ask them, so where's the emotion now? And they're like, what emotion? Like it's, it's gone. And so now these stories of the past that had previously sort of set up this reactivity for us in how we see the world and how we respond to the world. Now it's like, oh, I walk to the store. There's just this neutrality about it. So we clear the big, what we call the big five emotions, anger, fear, hurt, guilt, and sadness. Then we go back and we take the emotional charge out of very specific events, traumatic events, significant emotional events. And then we work even more specifically on limiting decisions. So something like what I just brought up, like if I'm not doing enough, I'm not enough, right? That's a limiting decision that at some point my unconscious mind decided to believe and to practice and enact, mm -hmm. and it's not true and I don't need it to be true. So I can go back in time and I can swap out that belief for some, for the learnings that will help me, you know, be more proactive in, in the life that I want. Yeah. And I want to just add something to that as well, that when we think of traumas, we always think of negative, but it yeah. can actually be positive things as well. Like sure. it can be where somebody's always praising you and yeah. like, like you put so much pressure on yourself to be good that you have to actually get perfect on things or yeah. be above and beyond on things that you're feel like a failure. If you don't get to these <clears throat> accomplishments that you feel were placed on you, even though people are like, you're so smart you know, and, and that can, can get into somebody and that can actually create a thought pattern that affects you. Or as you're saying as well about the busy part, yeah, um, yeah. seeing your parents all the time working a lot, like they're just always, always working and they're not necessarily spending time with us, which we as a child don't like, but as an adult, sometimes we still get into those patterns of feeling like, oh, well, we're not accomplishing things if we're ever, if we're sitting. Ever. That's right. You know? Just watching a show, like that's not enough. <laughs> right. Cause they're always like, oh, you're lazy if you're sitting there. If anybody says that, you know, oh, you're lazy, why don't you get up and do something? And that person, like, is never, ever sits or never takes their time. Or you see somebody that is constantly working in your, your childhood, you just feel that that's how it should be all of that's the time. Right. And we set these goals and that gets us into this wheel and this trap as well. So it, we don't always have to think of, the negative it it's so true too. yeah as kids as those uh, that sort of zero to six seven window we 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 will prioritize attachment to our caregivers above anything else so what that means for us is that we will adapt our behaviors unconsciously of course to make sure that we get the love from them. So whatever behavior we have practiced that then we get that response of this, oh, now mom's hugging me and holding me or now I'm getting the smile from dad or whatever it is, we will keep those practices as habits yeah. into our adult life. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. the pressures that we can yes. put ourselves as adults as well. And yeah. until we have worked through those. I know I've worked through some, not through NLP, but something that sounds very similar. Yeah, um, yeah. and I still, I know something that happened uh, a couple of years ago that I was so affected by, but it's because I was still having patterns of a child where I felt I didn't have a voice where as a child with, um, I trying to just figure out what I can disclose or not. Um, cause we are talking about personal things here too, that just, um, Hmm. So just my voice wasn't heard as a child. Let's just say that. So as a child, 
I didn't feel like anybody heard anything that I said growing up. And so I didn't, I haven't felt like I've had a voice. And once I worked through that, it's been phenomenal um, seeing the switch, even in my business Mm -hmm. and just, and how I express myself to people and what I will say. And it's, it's okay. Like I do have a voice, not in a mean way, but I have a voice to say like, Hey, I need to step away from this situation now. Yeah. Oh, because as a child, I didn't ever feel like if I, I had to feel like I had to sit there until the very end, until it was done, instead of saying like, whoa, I need this boundary here. I need to walk away now. You know, I don't need to be spoken to like this. So, so it's been fascinating how that can affect you as an adult Yes, and going through all of that. So, um, yeah. So NLP, how does it help with habits? So if you have these clients like broccoli. How would it help with like a broccoli habit? Yes. The cleanest example or way to describe this and the links that I've sort of realized both in my own journey on this earth, (laughs) trying to take care of myself and with the patients and clients is very commonly when there's that struggle to do the thing that is that they know is going to sort of help them get the outcome that they want, the health outcome, particularly if there's struggle, if there's resistance, if there's the stuckness in the old habits that are not giving you the result that you want, it's because at some level, deep down, there is some sort of belief or decision that them doing those things, they're not worthy of them, of that thing. They're not worthy of the benefits that come of that thing. And that's where I was. It was, I'm not valuable enough to do X, Y, Z, to rest, (laughs) to actively rest. I deserve rest. Yeah. Yeah. But how many people that are listening to this right now feel guilty if they sit down? Of course. Yeah. Right. Like I have first responders that have worked a 24 hour shift and feel guilty going home and going to sleep because their spouse, understandably, I am a first responder's wife, that their spouse has taken on all of the duties of the house the last 24 hours or however long the shifts are. Some of them are doing five 24 hours that they feel so guilty that they don't sleep. Yeah. Like it's just, it's, it's amazing how our brains are wired. Isn't it so amazing? Oh my goodness. And the cool thing is that that wiring is a learned behavior. And this is where the grace of NLP and other modalities comes in is anything that's a learned behavior can be unlearned. Yeah. If we work appropriately with the unconscious mind and then I, yeah, that's when we can actually change that pattern. So yes, the belief now is I do deserve rest and I can see the benefits of that rest when I take care of myself and I, and I, Act, I call it active rest. Yes. <laughs> it's not about sleep necessarily. It could be. But for me, like I need periods of my day where I sit and literally watch the wind in the trees. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that's getting accomplished in that 20 minutes of time. I don't get to check something off the list, although I have put it on the to-do list as like as, as it should be. But, like, but I don't at the end of it, I haven't done anything, right? I don't get to be like, look what I did, world. I don't get that. But that 20 minutes of me watching the wind in the trees is so regenerative, so recuperative, so restorative that then I can take that newfound energy and that creativity that I get to tap into and put cool things into the world that help people. So the, the switch of previously, no, I don't, I'm not valuable enough to rest, (laughs) to take care of myself in that way is different now. No, I'm worthy of that. I'm valuable for that. And that's an important thing for how I help people. Yeah. It's that sort of self ish becoming selfless. (laughs) Yeah. And that's the thing is where we feel that prioritizing ourselves on the bottom is actually helping others. But when our batteries drained, when we're short fused, when we're, you know, not able to think, or I used to, with my husband, I'd say like, he's just going in circles after walks of shifts 
and not getting, he's trying to get his to-do list done. He's like, I'm going to get it done and then I'm going to rest. And I do this as well in the office where I'm like, no, I need to get all these like posts written or these like for podcasting, I need to get all the show notes and everything edited and all that. And some of this is creative work and my brain's not thinking that I can't put any of it together, but I, and I've learned now to actually stop when my brain's not working and go walk away, go for around the block, go and do something. Um, if you're at work and your brain is so like, go to the bathroom at work, like, like you can, uh, you know what though? First responders can't always, but when you can just even say you're going to the bathroom, because most people don't question that one depending on the role. But even if you can like get somebody, if you're holding point for something as a first responder somewhere, if somebody can relieve you to go to the bathroom, just for you to go clear your head, if you need to go for a walk, like change, if you're inside, go outside, outside, go inside, like change your state, change your area. Um, and you'll find that you'll just be able to go back to the situation with more newfound energy. And that's when like, I'll kick butt or my husband, as you were saying too, you put it in your calendar when my kids were little and my husband did have his days off were usually kid days. Like he was on them. And then I was in the office and he would feel guilty if I'm upstairs in the office and he's napping on the couch. So we started putting it in his calendar that was nap time. And that's when the kids either read or did things and eventually became tablet time and seven or kids. know they're not, 10 and 11 now on a weekend, we say, we're going for a nap. <laughs> and, and the boys are like, oh, can we go on our computers now? <laughs> like they know that, that they go and do something on their own during that time. And, uh, and it is, and they, and my kids are learning that naps are okay during the weekends or whenever we can. And uh, they can, or don't have to, if they don't want, but just having that quiet time and something there is important, yeah. is important. So if we're to look at this now, like this is so fascinating because your view when you first came in was I had COVID, I got burnout. That was your story. But now we're diving into this and we're seeing the story was you practicing, um, like going to school, practicing as a practitioner, getting a business set up, bringing on employees, um, building this whole entire business that you feel is going to be the rest of your life and realizing that there's something missing in it, trying to work through that, then trying to figure out what is the missing piece, taking different courses on top of running your business. And then from there, you're also writing a book now. And then you have, no, then you had COVID and then you have all of these losses. And then you give up this business, which is another loss. That is a huge it was uh it, it was a future that did not come to fruition for you that you're changing and you're making that conscious decision, but it's still we have these things, a fear of failure or ego and pride always kick their way in these things too that we have to work through to get out the other side. That you've had so many different stressors mental stressors, physical stressors in there with COVID that, that it does make sense now. Why are you hitting the burnout? Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the, and, and, you know, going back through those five or six years that this, this story takes place over, I wasn't burnt out every single day of those five or six years. Right. There's certainly this, this, November, December was the crux of the, the intensity, the car crying phase <laughs> was for sure the intensity. Um, but it was, it was a, a, a culmination of so many things over the years that um, that I didn't have the foresight to, to anticipate, acknowledge, manage, cope with, um, strategize around and, and let heal. Right. And hindsight's 2020. Foresight is what? Like zero, zero, pretty much. (laughs) Right. Like the thing is, is, is that when we have a burnout crash, that is when we often go back and start piecing the history together and start realizing, oh, this was showing me signs then. And this was showing me signs then. And the thing for anybody learning from this is to take that 
and know, okay, these are my early signs of burnout. Sure. Mm -hmm. So my earlier signs is that my sleep might start getting off. I might start yeah. falling asleep. I might start waking with less energy or I might start being a little moodier. Like yeah. my gut start might start be getting off. These are your early signs that Definitely. once you get yourself out of burnout, now, you know, those signs yeah. that you can put that story together sooner. Yeah. Than did the last time. Yeah. So we didn't really dive into your recovery. <laughs> we covered a lot though, which I think has been so amazing for our audience to hear. Are there pieces of your recovery that you feel that we should talk about before we do sign off? Sure. I, I mean, I think as soon as the year ended and the space at the office was relinquished and cleaned and painted and, you know, and I, and I put the key in the little mail slot at my landlord's place. Um, there was, there was a finality in that moment where I could just feel in my body psychologically that things we're going to be different. I mean, that was a huge, huge responsibility having that space and that practice. Um, so immediately there was, there was a change that that was like a light switch that moment. That was December 31st. <laughs> I was like, Soup. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and even just financially not having the, you know, I have to pay rent to this office. It like just, and so the last four months, um, since then, so January, where are we now almost in May, so five months, I guess, you know, incrementally, I would say day by day, things are improving. And, and I was, my sleep was disrupted during this time. And I would say even into January, still sort of really restless, uh, waking up at three, four in the morning, just being awake, listening to my husband snoring away, right? Even though I have custom-made earplugs, <laughs> it breaks through sometimes. <laughs> um, but now, like even just today, I was noticing in my workout that I did this morning, like I was full on into it for the 20 minutes and I got through the whole thing, putting 100% in, which, you know, hasn't happened in a long time. I'd be like, oh, <laughs> so tired, I need to break. But so endurance is coming back, um, creativity is coming back. You know, there's there's this there's it, something interesting. I would say in the last six weeks that's happened is this desire for the first time, not an obligation, but a desire to take those moments of active rest that I was talking about. Where, <laughs> where it's like, yeah, I want to lay for twenty minutes with my legs up the wall, doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> And I look forward to those times now where before it was like literally something on my to-do list. Like today I'm going to do this because I know it's going to be good for me. <laughs> but now it's like, oh, I'm actually, because I'm deriving the benefits from it. So yeah, I would say five, min five months into the recovery of this story, um, you know, not every day is perfect. Mm -hmm. um, so and yeah. Just for people to hear that, you said five months into your recovery mm -hmm. and you're not fully recovered yet like we need people to understand this timeline and yeah. you're a naturopath yeah who i'm i'm well i'm not sure if you had some gut issues flared up but you know how to deal with them before oh. they get really big you know with hormonal things when they start flaring up from stress what to do with them yeah you know as well from all the nlp stuff what to be diving into mm -hmm. and it's still taking you because how many years it took you to get in five yeah. months, you're seeing that way out now. Yep. People yep, need yep. to understand that even though you have the knowledge of two of the big pieces of the puzzle, yes, it's still five months and you're not completely out. Yeah. I'd say I'm at 85, 90% out <laughs> and uh, it is a journey and, and we do, you know, you alerted earlier that we want things to happen in a straight line, but it's never a straight line. There's this bumpy road of recovery and, Life. and every day, the sort of looking ahead at the day, how am I going to nurture myself today? How am I going to really make sure that I get the rest that I need? What can I take 
off my to-do list. My NLP coach just the other day was like, cut your to-do list in half. And I had this visceral, like, I want to vomit at that consideration. I was like, oh, (laughs) she's like, cut it in half. And I was like, I can't. She's like, just cut your to-do list in half. And so I did. I like cross things off. And, and my, my, uh, one of my sort of loops in my brain, I call them open loops where there are things that are on my to-do list that have been on my to-do list for months or years, like finish this course that I signed up for, you know, two years ago, or like finish this sketchbook that has one page left. And that, that stuff eats up brain energy for me. So closing, either closing the loops by finishing the thing or crossing, just crossing them off, putting them in the compost carburetor, like getting rid of them. So, uh, you know, it's, it's an, it's an active choice every day for me to, to be in this recovery of this burnout. It is. Well, the thing is, is you have to change a whole way of thinking. Yes. And, and the thing is, is for many who are still in their careers, sometimes going back to your career um, or like getting out of burnout while you're in your career is absolutely possible. And for some people with their career, they need a change. And, and it, it is individual to each person. Like, so with first responders specifically, um, some that I've worked with getting out of the job has really been what they needed and others love the job, but they've lost the joy for the job because of the burnout. So even with working chef work, working all the hours, the thing is, is we have to, we, the individual in burnout does need to start making changes that got them into burnout that they have control over. You can't necessarily control your shifts as a first responder, those as well in certain pieces of of business. If you really love like um, tax, let's just even take like an accountant, tax season is always going to be crazy busy. Yeah. Thing is, is how you handle that stressor, how you handle that season in any of your businesses that is going to be crazy busy and stressful, how you handle it needs to change in order for you to actually be more productive, which you'll find by doing less yeah which is crazy um and so just for those that are listening just to really understand that for you one of your big big stress relievers was selling your practice was was leaving that practice and for some it is leaving their careers and switching to another career and others it's not so it is very individual to each yeah. person as to how that works but the thing that it is, is we do need to start thinking of the way that we think about things, the way yes. that we do things. Um, as I said, like first day off, not doing everything on your to-do list and your to my to-do list as well. I have a list and if things are on it for two months and I haven't checked them off yet, I either farm it out, hire, like hire out, it out to somebody or I check it off. I'm like, this yes. obviously isn't that important. So yeah, I do the same one on my list as well. It's yes. hugely, hugely important. And when I switched from homeschooling one of my children um, by necessity, I had to bring my business down to part-time and I had to figure out what am I going to cut out of this business? And mm-hmm. it was crazy because I cut out the things that were busy work. Yeah. They weren't even bringing in clients or helping my clients and training my clients. It was all busy work. And I took more than half of that hours out and I still have the same business, which is crazy that I was able to do that. So there's always a way to do it. Um, And I know I keep using first responders, but that's where we think of so much of their life or working in the public sector. So much of that is dictated or being in a business, an employee for somebody in a business so much is dictated of you, but there still is more than you may realize that you have control over. Yeah. Way more than you realize. And when you do work with your childhood crap um, and, and, and stop that neural pathway of stories that you do keep telling yourself, that alone takes so much stress off of your plate and gives yes. you that control. Yeah, absolutely. And, and getting back in, you know, that control word, you know, we can't, obviously we can't control everything in life but what we can be in charge of is is the thoughts that we have the feelings that we have these are changeable they're and even if there's habits to a certain tendency we can change those habits we can relearn other ways of responding and seeing to seeing the world it's like getting back in the driver's seat of your 
own life, where you have more resourcefulness, more choice, more availability for having a different response. And I think that's real the real gift. That's different from information. That's the transformation that can happen when you really do this work is having more potential options available to you. Yeah. Automatically, absolutely. like unconsciously, right? Absolutely. Instead yeah. of somebody says something to you and you instantly think that it's you and they're blaming you and you know they're on you, it's usually crap that's going on with them as well. So, like, yeah, all of these things, like that can also change. We could go down this huge rabbit hole. Oh, I have a feeling could. that. Yeah, I know we came here to talk about your burnout story, but we did dive into a lot of the NLP as well, which I'm so grateful for. So thank you very it's such much. such an integral part of my journey, though. So yeah, thank you for... Absolutely. And I think it's a very big piece that people do need to understand and and, and how it works and all that as well. Um, I do want to dive as well into, which we can't right now, into the naturopathic side too of the hormones and the gut and 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 sleep and how that all plays that part as well. But that will be a whole other, another time. Episode. Um, so before we go two things, first one, we will put in the show notes, how people can find you, but let's just verbally tell people as well. How can they find you the easiest ways to find you? Can I make one point about the timing piece about the five months that you mentioned yes, earlier? Absolutely. So one of the, um, guiding principles I'll say in naturopathic medicine is that for every year you've had something had a symptom once the proper things are in place for that thing to heal that's the number of the number of years is the number of months it's going to take so if so you've had because we yeah only if you've had like that. gut issues for 10 years once the proper healing factors are in place you're looking at 10 months for resolution that's fascinating and that makes sense for me as well because i was almost 30 years in my burnout between my first crash and um not 30. Was it 30? Yeah. I was 20 when my first one started and I was 39 when my son was born. So mm -hmm. 20 years. Yeah. That makes complete sense too. Cause it took me forever to get out and it was right. frustrating because you're like, I want this now. So that's fascinating. So we could have actually dove back about six years for you. At yeah. Least. And I think that's right. Cause I remember it was 20, it was the fall of 2018. I took a cruise and I remember talking to my friend on that cruise being like, practice sucks. Like it's right? so dissatisfying as so that's five years. Yeah. Right. This that's is eye opening. That's so fascinating. All yeah. right. So okay. where can people yes. find you the easiest? Yes. And also link. I have all your links. We'll put those in the show notes for sure. Perfect. Thank you. Yes. It's Tanya T O N I Winchester.com is the simplest place. Yeah. T O N I. Yes. I'm the a. same. Right. Yeah. And so not with a Y. So we'll put that in the show notes. You can definitely get the spelling right as well. Um, and um, then with that, from all of your experience, you can use anything. You can use your um, naturopathic NLP experience, your burnout experience, personal, professional. What is one piece of advice you would give somebody that is feeling like they are in burnout and doesn't know where to start. I want to end with this. It's my deepest belief about our human bodies is that they're so intelligent. They want to heal. Your body wants to heal. It knows how it is designed to heal and it can. I just want people to remember that it is if they can have that as a bit of a beacon, a lighthouse, my body knows how to heal. It wants to, and it can. And then you can start asking curious questions like, how can I help it do that today? <laughs> because when we ask those how questions, your unconscious mind is going to give you some options. Yes. So absolutely. how can I allow my body to heal today? Yeah. So start asking yourself. That is, I love that. So that is your homework for everybody today. If you're in burnout, just start asking, how can I get out? And you will start hearing things. I know this podcast episode has ways that you can start. Um, I have all kinds of other episodes as well that dive into different ways to start. Find the way that resonates with you as with habits, which we spoke of today as well. Sometimes finding the simplest thing. So even if it is that you take five minutes in the morning to just sit and that's okay, 
then that is your first step. It doesn't have to be going to the naturopath, going to the NLP practitioner, coming to me. It doesn't have to be those bigger steps. Find a step. And then once you've done that step, you start asking yourself, okay, what's my next step? And it might be another small step. Eventually you'll be ready for the bigger steps and every step counts. Yeah, 100%. Amazing. All right. This has been absolutely amazing. I know we could go on forever on all of this. So thank you so much for being here with us today. And for everybody that is listening, thank you for being here. My links as well are in the show notes. You can join my mailing list. I have my burnoutexpert.ca. I'm in Canada. That's the CA. So burnoutexpert.ca is where you can find all of our podcast episodes, how to get on our mailing list, If you have any questions, reach out to me. I am more than willing to answer them for you. Thank you very much. And we will see you in the next episode.